What's up, guys? It's your boy, Johnny Bananas, and I'll be covering all the treachery, deceit, backstabbing, and murder from season two of The Traders U.S. on my podcast, Death, Taxes, and Bananas. I'll be joined all season by my fellow castmates to swap stories, provide all the behind-the-scenes antics, and sordid details from filming. So sally forth and join me for season two of The Traders every Saturday on the Ringer Reality TV podcast feed. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome to Ringer Dish. This is an episode of Guilty Pleasures. I'm Juliette Littman. I am here with my colleague, Jody Walker. And before we go any further, I just need to say happy This Is Me Now Day to all who celebrate. And that includes us. Jody, happy holiday. Thank you so much, Juliet. I do ask that from now on you take the appropriate pause for the ellipses in This Is Me. Now, now. a love story. Apologies. <laughs> Put some respect on this title, which has both an ellipses and a colon. Oh, my God. Incredible. It is certainly a day of celebration. It is a big day. I was excited about this. I watched the initial trailer in a group. I've been discussing it a lot. I just, like, had high hopes, and I it did not miss. I have so much I wanted to talk about with This Is Me now, a love story <laughs> from the mind of Jennifer Lopez that I, I I don't know where to begin, but what I think we're going to do, and I, I tried to get some organizing principle, is to go over the top seven moments of genius in camp and this is me now. Because there's nothing to say, but this we must begin with the idea that this is both genius and incredibly campy. And... That's at least where I'm starting from. What's your starting point? What was your reaction? I think, and I'm trying to remember, I just, I recently said this about something else. Every once in a while, I'll go into something with absolutely zero expectations. It's like, I think I went into this knowing that I wasn't going to know what it was no matter what. So I might as well <laughs> not anticipate anything. So you and didn't have, watch the trailer? No, I the did two, watch the trailer, the but I watched 20 it. seconds? I watched it when it first came out, and so mm. it had kind of left my mind. I did not rewatch it. I wanted to be, you know, just absolutely thrilled and surprised by the experience of This Is Me now, and I have to lift the ellipses rule. <laughs> well, I'm following your lead. I know. I know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Okay. And so as I was watching, it was such a thrill to hear all the lines that I remembered from the trailer, but that I wasn't anticipating. But every time I would hear one, it would come back. I did find out before I watched it, it was going to be an hour. I thought it was going to be a feature-length film originally. And so I don't know. What did you think about the hour-long runtime? How'd that hit you? So I, I knew that it was 50 minutes. And then I saw turned it on on Amazon. And I saw that it was an hour and six minutes. And I was like, wait, this is longer than I thought. And then it just turned out to be really long credits. So my, I was under, or I guess like, I was properly prepared. And then I was like, ugh, really long. (laughs) 
but I, I gotta say, like, I'm a, I'm a big TSOP person. I do a lot of second screening while I watch TV. I think mm-hmm. very infrequently am I only focused on the one thing. This is the most engaged I've been on something. I've been with something on my television in a really, really long time. I'm not joking. I was like, wow, what is going on? And just delighting in it. That's so, a great point, Juliet. Like, I didn't, I didn't pick up my phone once. Yeah. I, I also like the time went by quickly. I, I'm not joking. Like, I, I, I wanted think were, it to be longer. Well, let's just say <laughs> February 27th, there is a documentary coming. The greatest love story never told. A documentary about J-Lo making this 50-minute narrative musical. This is me now, a love story, the greatest love story ever told. (laughs) I cannot wait for the documentary. I mean, Amanda and I are still talking about the Netflix documentary that came out a while ago. So don't they feel related to me? Like, they they feel, you know, this movie was all about her being a romantic and, like, you know— hopeless in her personal life and love story. It Even though her name is the artist, which we'll get into, it doesn't focus at all on her being a businesswoman. Uh, she's clearly famous and some sort of something within the structure of this narrative, but it doesn't focus on that at all. Whereas like the Super Bowl halftime documentary was all about her being this businesswoman and this a creator mogul. and this yeah. mogul and this artist. So I feel like together they kind of create this like full picture of Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. Well, the thing that Amanda and I come back to so often is how she was like really expecting to win the Golden Globe, then didn't for Hustlers. And so that movie was sort of about like all the expectation around her and like how she overcomes it and like striving for perfection. This moment feels way more triumphant. Plus, she's now married versus when that came out, she was like still in the shadow of Craig Conover blowing up her her relationship with A-Rod. So I think like this, this like, I don't even know what to call this. I, I, you know, I'll share some of the imagery that it calls to mind for me, but this J-Lo moment is pure triumph. And like, she has not like overcome anything. She's like hit a next level. Like she's like just in a different stratosphere than she was for halftime, which is hard to believe. I think it's, I think that the thing that I respect most about JLo is that she is going to do exactly what she wants. Everything she does is for JLo. It's like, it, it, she really is driven by her own artistry and exactly what she thinks about her own artistry. Like, no one was calling for this, you know? No one was like, where are the visuals? <laughs> no, they were not. They this. weren't like, they weren't like, where is the steampunk meets flash dance meets Mad Max meets Gen Z astrology narrative musical from JLo? No one said that. Who would know? Who would know to ask for it? <laughs> no one was even asking for a This Is Me Then sequel album. <laughs> Like, none of this has been called for, and yet she has an- she answers her own call, and I just really respect that about J-Lo. I know. It's, ama- it's honestly amazing. So what were some of, the, like, the references that you thought of while you were watching? And then we'll get into our, our peak moments of genius in camp. I mean, you know, when the trailer came out, everyone was like, this is the Jennifer Lopez cloud atlas. And mm. it is. It is her cycling through time. It also— <laughs> Have you read that book? I haven't read that book. Have you seen the movie? Or seen the, I believe, kind of disastrous movie. So I'm a David Mitchell super fan. I've read most of his books. Cloud Atlas is phenomenal. Yeah. It's so good. And if you like David Mitchell, I just, like, I don't know, send me a DM or something. I fucking love David Mitchell. And the movie is a travesty. Yeah. I think instead, I actually didn't see that. I think maybe I've blocked out all conversation about the Cloud Atlas movie to preserve my image of the book. But it does have the same aesthetic. Like, you're spot on with that. What else did it call it? Because I thought of a lot of different things. I mentioned some of them, but... That's interesting. I th- I thought of one other reference point I, or that's coming to mind. I, I feel like it was... Actually, okay, I thought of several, and I don't want to give any spoilers to okay. what's coming up, except one is... <laughs> I was reminded frequently of the movie Inside Out. Oh, where, that's funny. I've never seen that. Oh, where the Pixar emotions are sort of watching over an adolescent girl and right. being stunned by how she's acting and everything's sort of a disaster. And that is certainly in play in this narrative. I also, in the scene where she goes to the wedding later mm-hmm. in the film, 
I was just like, which Game of Thrones beach is this on? Like, what is that? There was like this giant statue. But in general, I don't know. What did you, what were your reference points? I thought a lot about Mad Max Fury Road mm-hmm. in terms of like some of the like indust- post-apocalyptic industrial look, especially when she's like on the motorcycle mm-hmm. at various times. I mean, that's not like in the desert of Mad Max, but it reminded me of that. I thought of Jennifer Beale in Flashdance a mm-hmm. lot. Or ah, the, heart, yeah. the heart factory. Yeah. We'll come back to this, but I thought of the good place and like the Maya Rudolph world of the good oh, place of like the judges. It felt like a really current amalgam of pop culture ideas. And I I don't even know like of any that's intentional, but I do feel like it's kind of like a reflection of like owning a pop culture moment and like just like grabbing at so many things that are like inspired by other things. One other reference that I thought of was when she jumpsuits up to save her own heart. I thought of Armageddon, mm. which Ben Affleck is in. And he also and jumpsuits kind of, up. Right, and sort of seemingly perhaps sacrificing herself to save, I guess, again, also herself. Hard to say she is in a dream <laughs> sequence, I think. But I was like, I that was the only one where I wondered if it was intentional. I mean, obviously, the steampunk and like the, you know, kind of floating through different genres stuff is intentional, but I'm sure she did not make, mean to make me think of Inside Out. And yet she did from the genius sh- mind of Jennifer Lopez. I'm not sure she made, made me, meant for me to think about like the good place, but let's just get into that piece of it because I did spend a lot of time on the cast list both on Mike and in my personal life just like being like wow I can't believe these people are in here crazy and so we must discuss two pieces of what I I'm going to say one is genius and one is camp and together they represent Jennifer Lopez I want to start with the casting of Jennifer Lopez's therapist Uh who is played by her frequent collaborator as recently seen in the Dun King's commercial the one and only rapper Fat Joe. Fat Joe is a therapist. Fat Joe in his dramatic debut. I his think. Dramatic de- <laughs> I think so, too. Jody, would you cast ja- Fat Joe in your next narrative project? If that narrative project called for a perfect balance of drama and comedy and looking wonderful in an all-beige outfit, yes, I certainly <laughs> would. I fucking loved it. I was like, oh, okay. That's what Fat Joe's doing here. Also, he's in it a lot. A lot. <laughs> Not a lot of musical contribution from him, which is fine. He's he's collaborating with her in other ways. I don't believe he's on the album, but I need to check. I was astonished at this casting choice. And I wonder if it says something about their relationship. Like, he's been with her through so many. He was around in the Puff Daddy days. He was around through a lot. Has he been her relationship coach? Well, and I'm thinking about this now. I wasn't really clocking it fully in the movie, but are the moments that she's with him the only real moments that exist within the narrative structure? Everything else is either dreamed or remembered in front of him. I I guess Or recounted to him. I don't know. What about when she goes to the wedding? Not her own wedding, but a different wedding. She's recounting it to him because there's this twist where you think she's at her wedding and then she tells him something that makes you realize, oh, she's at her friend's wedding. Yeah, I think think you're right. I think, yeah, I think he's been a really stabilizing force in her life. (laughs) I wonder which one of those goofy ass friends was rep was representative of Fat Joe. We can get to the front. I I have a couple of sort of misses, just a few misses within the... Let's hear. I'll go ahead and say these friends because, you know, you, Juliet, were referencing that there are kind of like some... There's some perfect casting. One is Fat Joe in a more straightforward role. The other is a a large collection of people that we'll, we'll get to. There's another collection of people. And it's like, it's no knocks on the actors, but she has this group of friends that you see throughout the movie and they're cast as sort of archetypes. And I I would say that the only real miss for me within this movie is, are, are we calling it a movie? I am a it's little a narrative lost. Mu- it's a narrative musical. Also, I just want to say one thing before you finish that thought. Just What's want to note, this narrative musical is 50 minutes about J-Lo's troubles and triumphs with relationships. That's all. That's the plot of this narrative. 
I, right. I realize we never said it. So anyway, she has- didn't totally say it. And then, and I'd also like to, with you here live on air, kind of clarify the the timeline, which is that it's it starts with a heartbreak, which seems to be the first time that she broke up with Ben Affleck, which would have been in two thousand four. Yes, and then twenty, correct. and that is just after this is me. Then the album, then, which yeah. is dedicated to Ben Affleck, has the song Dear Ben on it and sort of sadly ends with this, you know, note of like, this is like a fairy tale. This is going to be forever with Ben Affleck. Then things end with Ben Affleck and within the structure of the of the narrative musical, then she gets married and divorced three times. She has been married and divorced three times, but not actually within that exact time frame. But Jennifer Lopez can do whatever she wants with narrative structure. And it sure. sort of ends with her rejoining with Ben Affleck. Although, of course, none of that is ever explicitly said. Sure. Does that seem right? Perfect, su- perfect summary. I loved it. I love it. We're going to come back to that initial heartbreak when we discuss the heartbreak. Right, right. Yeah, so I'll just get it out of the way that I didn't think the Friends worked very well because I think it's sort of calling on us to understand these friends as archetypes. And I just, I I was like, these aren't archetypes. What, Uh, like a a kleptomaniac friend is not an archetype. It just, it was a little too too loose of a Greek chorus for me, especially when the actual Greek chorus was working on every level. So the actual Greek chorus is probably the most important part of this narrative musical. Jennifer Lopez has assembled the uh, Zodiac Avengers to play <laughs> each sign of the Zodiac. And I'm or I'm just going to read them off for you. Led by their fearless leader, Jane Fonda, the actress uh, and activist. She plays Sagittarius. <laughs> There's Kim Petras playing Virgo. Trevor Noah playing Libra, Post Malone playing Leo, Kiki Palmer playing Scorpio, Sofia Vergara playing Cancer, Jennifer Lewis playing Gemini. It's, oh, excuse me, I forgot Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm so sorry. He's also in it. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible. He plays Taurus, and then Jay Shetty's playing Aries, Shad Guru is playing Pisces, and I believe we've covered the entire Zodiac. That's right. And they're not, I, I did wonder if they were all playing their own signs. They're not, except Jane Fonda, who I believe is a Sagittarius and I'm sure got first pick. And I am curious. I, I hope that, you know, Sagittariuses feel good about being sort of cast as the leader of the, of the Zodiacal count, Council, <laughs> the Zodiacal Council, as they're called in the movie. What is their purpose in the movie? Like, what, what are they doing other than being a Greek chorus or a round table? I mean, I guess they're sort of supposed to be, they are both us and J-Lo. So like they are both voicing what J-Lo has perceived as the perception of herself over the last 20 years. And they are defending her against those <laughs> alleged perceptions. <laughs> like they're at like- one point, there's a, there's sort of a bit of dialogue where, what let's say Kiki Palmer is like says something referring to to JLo the artist as being perceived as a man eater and then someone says is that what they're calling her a man eater and then someone else is like which isn't fair because she just wants to be in love and that's another thing i respect about Jennifer Lopez is she is just out there you know fighting battles that don't totally exist but I- I'm I'm happy for her to do it if this is the way it comes out. <laughs> She's been very clear since she got back to with Ben Affleck that this is just like the culmination of true love. She has made that abundantly clear, including with this film. I feel like this this astrological council is sort of like her inner monologue of like uh-huh. both like sh- of like chastising herself, but also like explaining herself. And it's an incredible cast. I mean. Jane Fonda as Sagittarius. I don't know anything about the Zodiac. So, like, I can't speak to, like, is this good casting or not? But Jane Fonda as being a part of your inner monologue chorus is so brilliant. Great choice. Also, Post Malone. This is my second time this week on Ringer Dish saying, good job, Post Malone. Wow. I like Post Malone, as I said on Monday. I don't like looking at him. But I thought it was so funny that he's in this. Like, it's just so fucking funny. And, weird. and he's great. And he's great. Yes. I, I know 
I know very little about astrology. I would say that you would be, you would, it would be a good idea to know a little bit about astrology going into this. I do think that it like, it's sort of, you don't, you certainly don't need to, but it does in terms of archetypes, it does sort of add to the experience because I think that Post Malone is playing a Leo or is is playing he Leo. Is. And the whole time he's like really outgoing and he's really like kind of cheerful and and gregarious and kind of wanting to get down there on earth. Kiki Palmer is not an actual Scorpio, but she's perfect casting. I was to just going to ask you about that. Because she's so, she's the most dynamic of the people on the council, I would say. She and she's also, the most dynamic of any room she's in ever. <laughs> <laughs> she looks amazing in this. She looks so, oh, so good. I love her. Me too. She's, she is very, very funny. I feel like she kind of like leads everyone, corrals them. The only Scorpio I'm aware of in terms of famous people is Drake because he's made that a part of his personality. Mm. So that's what I'm going off of. But he's like a showman. So I, I guess that makes sense. I have a take. Are you ready? I'm ready. Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm good. Don't need more of him. <laughs> we have a lot of Neil deGrasse Tyson in this world. I, yeah, but you know, in terms of like what was happening, I think it was logical casting for him to just have a little monologue about this, about Stardust there at the end. <laughs> it made sense. It didn't, it didn't irk me, but, but I understand where you're coming from. He does pop up a lot. Whereas a lot of this other casting was really Inspired. surprising. Kim Petras, like that was shocking, you know, and sh- and she was very funny in it. Sofia Vergara, you know, was a big name that was kind of forecasted before this came out. So I assumed she would, I don't know, have some sort of different role. She was very chill. And let's also say that it's very clear that this in- every sequence between the Zodiacal Council was filmed individually with each person just sort of like looking off into the ether. There's a lot of green screen happening. You don't think any of these people got together? There was, there were times where I felt like maybe like Trevor Noah and Kiki Palmer were in the same room and maybe like Post Malone and Kim Pet. There were times where when people were right next to each other, I thought maybe they were in the same room. Sofia Vergara was in the room with no one. In my mind, I can't even picture her face. She was always She didn't really like, talk. She barely spoke. Yeah, she she wasn't it, I what sign was she playing? She was she really was, ditzy. She was playing Cancer. Okay. I don't know a lot about Cancers except that they're crabs and they're clingy, right? Oh wow. <laughs> Very, Ouch. Ouch. I mean, that's what my friend who's a cancer said. Like, that's all she knows about being a cancer. Who do you feel like is the luckiest to have been in this group? Like, they're like, I'm like, you, you're going to get a bump from this. It helps your street cred and maybe your career. I would say Kim Petra, like, mm-hmm. is, a li- she's the, she's like, it's, I would say I'm most impressed by Jennifer Lopez casting her. You know, like, mm. it speaks to a certain, she really got someone from, from every corner kind of, yeah, like every corner of fame, like Jane Fonda is, and and like Jennifer Lewis are like the best we've got, you know, Sophia Vergara is like crazy famous. Like, especially right now, Griselda is really popular. Yeah. And I I was just, when I, when I saw, and these people are kind of revealed to you over the process of like one scene and then, and then maybe two scenes. I was just like, holy shit, she got all of these people to do this? That's awesome. I know. It was really impressive. I feel like the person, as they say on Love Island, the person who's punching, like punching above their weight class. I feel like it's Trevor Noah. I feel like this is a different stratosphere's fame than he's usually in. I would agree. That would be my second pick. And... He his parts kind of bit. It's not big, but like he talks more than Sofia yeah. Vergara. He's the kind of like cynic of the Zodiacal Council. <laughs> they really like the combination of star signs being archetypes that at least everyone is somewhat familiar with. At least your own. It's like I'm a Taurus. Sure. I know something about being a Taurus, and the combination of knowing these famous people made these scenes like really pop. Like you really understand these characters right away. It was like honestly thrilling. I was like, I can't believe Jane Fonda is at least on green screen interacting with Post Malone. I'm just like, what a fucking world I live in. I love it. Thank you, Jennifer Lopez. What I- a gift. 
I feel that way. I feel lucky to be a part of this J-Lo moment. And the fact that we have these mega famous people in different ways, like saying these kind of crazy lines about love from like a pretend zodiacal council is just out of this world. I can't believe we're talking about this. And they're actually not about love. Jennifer Lopez gives most of the just sort of like generic love lines. Mm. Everything that these really famous people say is directly about Jennifer Lopez. Like, it is just explicitly about J-Lo and her love life. (laughs) It's like, it's honestly impressive. Also, I feel like there's, you know, in the last like few years, been a lot of women, famous women reclaiming or re- framing their narratives from, like, the 2000s. And this is, I feel like, one of the more impressive ways of doing that and, like, kind of, like, owning the commentary and just sort of being like, but I'm going to cast it this way. And I, I like, I know it sounds ridiculous because this is me now Mm -hmm. is so absurd, but I do think it's, like, a really effective piece of something. Like I said, I did not look away for 50 minutes. I was like, What's going on? And also, I Jayla like build it in the pre is in the trailer as like from the heart, mind, soul of Jennifer Lopez. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna take that at face value and be like, this is all JLo. You know, like this is her renaissance. And I'm like eager to do so. I'm like, I want to engage with the heart, mind, and soul of Jennifer Lopez. So I feel great about that. I it's so campy. It is so silly that it's, like, incredibly fun to talk about. But in some ways, this is, like, one of the most effective things she's, like, maybe ever done. Yeah, I don't know if I was, like, quite as taken away with how (laughs) effective it was. Because in terms of narrative, it was a little hard to follow. (laughs) And and also, I didn't... I meant to say, when you were, like, the friends as archetypes, I didn't know they were even archetypes. I thought they were just, like, bad actors. Well, she and Fat JLo and Fat Joe keep talking about the cynic. He's like, she's like, my friend Mike hates him. And he's like, oh, the cynic. And then, like, when you look on IMDb, they all have a name like the lover, the uh, uh, screw up, or whatever. And also, they're all like 15 years younger than her. And so it just like, it doesn't. Also, clock. not good at not good at acting. Like, let's just be, let's be clear. They're, it's it, not were the they dancers? I, I, was, I think they might have been dancers. Okay. I was like, maybe these are her actual friends, but then they were so much younger and and they sort of play as jokes, but are also asked to function as sort of serious parts of the story. And the range wasn't there for that. And nor was the writing. <laughs> so I buy that it is from the heart, mind, and body of Jennifer Lopez because that's how it reads, I I think it could have used a few edits. But it is artistically a triumph, you know? Like, it's just wild. It's a a triumph of camp. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says, Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Let's talk about the literalization of the heart factory. And the, the beating human heart. This is when I started to think about Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. The film begins with J-Lo going full flash dance, working in a factory, and the factory is her heart, and her heart has broken. There's rose petals everywhere. And I don't really, I wasn't really sure what was going on, and I was like, are we in some kind of alternate universe? Is this a Marvel movie? I was like super confused. And then, you know, Fat Joe brought us back to reality ultimately, but it's an immersive five minutes in the heart factory. 
I wonder how long this literalization of what it's like to have a a malfunctioning heart has been sitting with Jennifer Lopez. (laughs) Juliet, I thought that so many times while I was watching and I'd hear a line or something where I was like, oh, I bet she loved that line. It was like, what what (laughs) kernel of this movie is what made her be like, I have to do this. I thought it was the line when she says to... (laughs) Excuse me, I'm so sorry that we haven't mentioned him yet. Derek Huff, who plays one of her husbands. My bad. One of her husbands. <laughs> one By of the her way, great montage dancer. husbands. Love, Incredible love dancer. Dance yeah. He he will always have that going for him. She says to Derek Huff in front of Fat Joe, her therapist, you feel like home to me, dot, dot, dot. But I left home for a reason. And I was like, those lines have been floating in her head for a decade. And she's like, how do I get them out on paper? But it also could have been this heart factory. And then I also do have to say, one part of me, for me, that made getting on board with the heart factory a bit confusing is that the the movie actually starts with a piece Mm. of Puerto Rican lore about the tale of Alita and Taru, which I actually found quite moving throughout the the movie. And it's kind of, it starts with this tale about this man and this woman. The woman gets turned into a flower and the man gets turned into a hummingbird. And so legend has it that when you see a hummingbird going from flower to flower, it is Taru hunting for his love, Alita. We move immediately from Puerto Rican lore into Jennifer Lopez on the back of a motorcycle, seemingly riding over water, which is also very Mad Max Fury Road. The motorcycle, she's in love. The motorcycle crashes, signifying heartbreak. Then we go, I guess, into her mind, <laughs> later revealed to be a dream to her therapist, Fat Joe, where, <laughs> where we find out that her heart factory is in peril. That's a great synopsis. That of the sound right? And that's, just to be clear, that's the first four minutes of the, four of minutes. the narrative film. <laughs> Oh, a lot has been done, has been achieved in that time. Yeah, it was confusing to understand where we were going. Also, Jennifer Lopez's VO voice is very different. Like her, her kind of like performance voice is not her actual speaking voice. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of thrown by that. I'm familiar with both as a JLo scholar or JLo student, I really should say. But I thought that was kind of weird. And it just like so quickly goes from like CGI fairy tale into budget Mad Max that it's like kind of like a a real whiplash. But then she starts dancing and the choreography is some of the best part of the of the narrative musical. Oh, for me, hands down, anytime Jennifer Lopez is dancing or the camera is very close to her poreless face, those are like, those are the best moments. I mean, she's just... It just makes sense, you know, when she's dancing. When she's dancing in a heartbreak factory, that makes sense. When we sort of zoom in on, I guess, the fact that the heart, the sort of metal robot heart within the factory is powered by petals, by flower petals, that's that's a little tougher for me narratively. I hear you. I, I think I just went right past that. Well, it's because the song that she's singing and dancing to is another new one from This Is Me Now, the album, called Hearts and Flowers. So I guess it's kind of a hearts and flowers. It's a heart factory that's powered by flowers. <laughs> the literalness of it just kills me. My my favorite number in choreo was was the uh, what when she's wearing all the wedding dresses herself, like the different oh, white dresses. I think... I. I think that's probably my favorite sequence of the movie. Hard it, it kind of represents her three marriages and divorces that she clearly feels very judged for. And it, probably her, definitely the artist within the film, feels very judged for. And I liked that they all happened at once because you yeah. see two other sort of lovers who are both... I kid you not, both of them swilling directly from liquor bottles. That's another big, like, archetype signaling of a villain is just drinking straight out of a liquor bottle. So can we talk about that for a second? Because one of there's an intervention scene where her friends, the archetypes, think mm-hmm. that she is a sex addict. And then she says she's actually, she has a, a love addiction. And then she mm-hmm. goes to LLA, L-A-A, mm-hmm. Love mm-hmm. Addiction Anonymous. Plus there's the drinking of the exes. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm like, is I don't know if any of her ex-husbands are have addiction, but Ben Affleck does and is like mm-hmm. very open about it, including, you know, an alcohol addiction. And so I kind of was like interested in what that means about like if she's trying to like code anything about him. I thought that was like really noticeable, but who knows? Maybe that's not completely unrelated from him. I want to come back to the wedding, but while I've just mentioned the name Ben Affleck, we must say Ben Affleck plays like a Fox News type host named Rex. Explain to me the purpose of Rex, Jody. <laughs> That's going to be tough, Juliet, because I am not the mind, soul, or body of Jennifer Lopez. I mean, I think that the purpose of Rex was to get Ben Affleck in prosthetics in this movie, and I did not realize it was him the first time I saw him. Saw this. Me neither. Sec- this- it took me the second time. You know, and I I hate to keep coming back to it, but this was sort of another issue for me in terms of archetype is that, like, this Rex newscaster has this very Southern accent, and then he has sort of Donald Trump hair, like orange hair. Yes, shaggy kind of. Neither of those things really, like, indicate a Fox News host. You know, there are not a lot of, like, deeply Southern... Fox News hosts, even if there are sort of, I, it just, it didn't, it's like, this isn't a thing. We're not, we're not calling on something here. This isn't a thing. I, I really think the, okay, his purpose was also sometimes to take us through time. Mm. There are a couple of things that signal time throughout the movie. One is Jennifer Lopez's bangs. Anytime we come back from a dream and into present, uh, a certain part of the present, she has bangs with Fat Joe. Another is a Basset Hound that she gets as a puppy and then eventually ages into a dog. And another is this Ben Affleck in prosthetics news host who occasionally says, it's 2012 or it's 2020. And he he has this run. I was trying to see how I wrote it down. He has this run. The most you ever hear him is he says, in 2012, the number one question people asked, just people asked. He's not like people Googled like, that was searched on the internet, he says the number one question people asked was, what is love? Juliet, we were alive in 2012. Uh, we, we were adults in 2012. Was that the number one question people were asking? What is love? I don't think so. But people have asked, what's love got to do? That's, That's not right. Jennifer Lopez. It's not. <laughs> and I don't, she's certainly people, you know, she is among people asking this in 2012, I guess. Then he goes on to say, as of today, the top questions that people are asking are, what should I watch? Where's my re-? Okay, this actually was funny. He says, why women kill? Is Europe a country? How I screenshot a Mac? Am I pregnant? And why <laughs> Why is my poop green? Like, I was like, Ben Affleck Those I believe. Ben Affleck wrote this bit. Like, that's pretty funny. (laughs) Yeah. So that's his point, I guess. When I was watching at the very beginning, I was, I wrote my notes, is that Ben Affleck on the bike? And IMDb tells me it is. It was him on the bike. And then it's him at the end, right? Yeah. Like, that's his body. Yeah. I think so. I think so. about it. I look forward to seeing him in the documentary. I definitely will be excited about that. Another thing I want to celebrate, the Vanderpump Rules joke. I mean... Are you a human if you're not watching Vanderpump Rules? It's like breathing, drinking water, and watching P- Vanderpump. Are you the godlike representation of an astrological sign if you're not watching Vanderpump Rules? Because <laughs> that is who delivers the joke. <laughs> I loved it. I was like, who wrote that one? Because that's, that's real populist fare. And it's so... I mean, it's not it's not like exactly current, but it's very current with like, what are the biggest things that have happened recently? And everything else in the movie, and there were many times during the movie where I was like, does this take place in the future? Because like at one point she's in just a fully glass house. She's always in a different house and each one looks more like it's from the future. So you can never really pin down where you are in time, except for the Vanderpump Rules joke. And Trevor Noah's like, that reunion, though. And Post Malone's like, I know, right? (laughs) What a come up for Vanderpump Rules. Just when you think they've already hit their peak, I mean, they'll be forever enshrined in this piece of work. You know who would have fit right in on that zodiacal council is Lala. Like, that, they could have easily put Lala in there as one of the signs. She would have loved to have been involved. I know. For sure. And it's for the best that she wasn't. But (laughs) I, I feel like this narrative film is like the kind of thing that like Tom Sandoval would make but like 
take it really, really seriously. Like, he probably loves this as, like, an Oscar award-winning film, not as, like, high camp. Well, let's be clear, though. Jennifer Lopez takes this really, really seriously. seriously. That, like, that is the thing about J-Lo is she just creates camp, and it's because she takes herself so seriously. And she both should and shouldn't. I don't want to change a thing, and my love don't cost a thing, but (laughs) it is, like, that is what creates, that's what creates the camp, is that this is the highest form of art for her. I gotta say, I was, I was, like, all in, just having a great time, and then I was just bowled over by um, the artist watching The Way We Were, starring Barbra Streisand and Robert Redford. I mean... She does a, get it. She really gets it, J-Lo. I mean, I was like, wow. Okay, we're all on the same page here of what heartbreak looks like and two people. It's like she got to rewrite The Way We Were. I mean... And she... I mean, she is so interesting because she... I, that It's why I keep coming back to these, like, the Super Bowl documentary and this completely unrelated narrative film being of a piece is because these two pieces uh, that make up J-Lo have never made a ton of sense. Like, she is this business mogul who makes things happen. Like, she's made herself a star despite not being, like, the best singer or even, I mean, she's, like, a wonderful but dancer, but, like, she's not the she's not the best at anything. She's just the best at being famous, you know? Yeah. And, it like, yeah. and it, like, becoming a mogul. But then the other side of her is this very, like, unlucky, in love, obsessed with love kind of person. And it's really hard to balance those two things <laughs> in your mind. She's, like, so exceptional. But, like, in some ways, so relatable. I don't know. I feel like it's so, it's really weird. And also, it's not, like, the same way with, like, some other really famous women where you're like, yeah, they're relatable. But, like, J-Lo is, in most ways, not relatable at all. The way that she looks, the way that what she's accomplished, like, the way that she carries herself, like, everything about her life. Like, she's just one of one. But then at this, like, fundamental longing to, like, you know, be able to come through the the rain, which is, again, literalized in this, and have, like, the, you know, rewrite the ending that Barbra Streisand didn't get and the way we were is, like, so relatable. Yeah. And, and moving, kind of. It's so weird. I can't believe how much, like, the, the, I, like we have to say about this is me now. I mean, it's so absurd. I can. I can believe it. It's like, I can believe Jennifer Lopez did this, but I, okay, I should go back and watch the trailer. I didn't go back and watch the trailer before I watched the movie because I wanted to be kind of surprised, but I did not realize how musical it would be going, like, from the trailer. I thought Mm. it would be more of a movie kind of announcing her album I did. It's a it's a full musical. She she's constantly breaking into song. It's the visual album. You know, she just yeah. decided to make it have like a, a flimsy narrative with a lot of celebrities that we are extracting a lot of meaning from. Yeah, but I would say this is her version of a visual album. I I would. It's just there's something about it that's different. <laughs> it is like this combination. Of insane things. And it's more than anything, it is about the love story between Jennifer Lopez and herself and on a very parallel track, Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck. And that's, you know, was another thing that was a little narratively difficult for me and that her music doesn't totally support within the film is that the narrative is kind of trying to tell a story about her falling in love with herself and therefore she doesn't need to have a relationship with another person in order to be sort of, like, validated in achieving her dreams. But the lyrical structure of all of her songs is, like, very much about romantic love, even in this, like, This Is Me Now album. So even in sort of the final sequence where she's singing in the rain and then also singing at a wedding and <laughs> singing in a few other places. The story is telling us that she's finally sort of chosen herself, but the the songs are still telling us that she's chosen Ben Affleck. <laughs> she's chosen herself, which has led her to Ben. That's the best I can do that's for you. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And that's that's that makes sense. Did the movie say that? No, but you've said it to me now, and that makes sense. 
I'm just thinking, for some reason, this this is me now, narrative mm-hmm. film, narrative musical, has activated so many other pop culture ideas in my head. Like, I'm thinking of the lines in Rent when Roger tells Mimi she can't love anyone until she loves herself. Mm. I'm thinking about how Kelly Taylor chose herself in that letter to Brandon, and unfortunately, then letter to Dylan, and I'm still pissed about that. Like, wow. for some reason... This is just the this is just the richest text I've encountered in a long time. And I'm gonna assume that's intentional. I'm gonna give JLo and her team credit for that. I don't know if it's intentional. Maybe I'm just in like a hyper mentally activated moment. But I just have the pop culture references are flowing in my head because of JLo's work. So I guess I should just say thank you. I love yeah. pop culture. I <laughs> listen, many of the greatest pieces of culture hold up a mirror to our own world. And that is what you have found (laughs) in This Is Me Now, a love story, a story by Jennifer Lopez, a visual album by Jennifer Lopez. Jody, were there any other uh, peaks or valleys from this this work that we did cover that you feel we need to address? Well, you mentioned that the wedding... Okay, Mm. well, there's one big one. Within the wedding sequence, which we both agree is like a, a real standout, In her first wedding, the moment we first see her at a wedding, she is wearing a wedding dress that features two heart-shaped mesh cutouts Cutouts. that frame her vagina. Like, there's no other way to say it. It is an upside-down heart over her stomach, which, like, her lower stomach. I cannot imagine a panel of my body I would less want to cover in mesh. (laughs) But she goes for it. And I'd say she looks amazing. She does look amazing in terms of of that dress, but it is a crazy, crazy look. It reminded me of in the movie that she made with Owen Wilson, which is also somehow of a piece here, where she's marry also me. Ca- marry me, where she's kind of playing just, herself. The music in Marry Me is legitimately good. Like the music in Marry Me is good, and there's the one where she's dressed like a like a sexy church. nun. That's my favorite song from the movie. Church. church. Church, 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 church. church. <laughs> and there is a cross over her crotch. And that is what this heart-shaped mesh <laughs> wedding Listen. dress remind me of. It's uh, she, it's an epic look. She considers her vagina to be very precious and also a focal point. So her clothes are representing that. And that is absolutely coming through in her wardrobing in her many, many films where she plays the most famous person on earth. One valley for me, which I was kind of surprised by because the whole time I was watching, I was just like this dance, like each one of these musical numbers really hits. I did not like the singing in the rain number. Something about the choreography was so clunky. Like It was the only time I really wanted to look away. And maybe it's just because she was wearing a brown jacket and that's no mesh heart cut-out wedding dress, but... My complaint about that was she's dancing with an umbrella, it's pouring, and the umbrella's closed. Mm -hmm. So just give her, like, a cane or a walking stick if she's not going to use the umbrella. She eventually opened it, but I was just like, this is too... This is where I draw the line with logic. Sure, If you have an umbrella in the rain, use it. You should at least be opening it more. It should be a bigger part of the choreography. It was just kind of like a dead weight in her hand. She's... Strangely wearing, like, ballet flats for a lot of the film, various ballet flats. And and I guess it's because she's dancing, but we've seen her dance in heels of course, a lot. Yeah. Which well, I just in the heart found factory, that notable. Of course, in the Heart Factory, you have to wear sensible shoes. You know, yeah, and of toe. course, at Love Addicts Anonymous, you have to wear a bedazzled ballet flat, which is what she's wearing. And in- I, did, I liked her outfit at Love Addicts Anonymous. I did too. I love when gorgeous, famous people dress down. I I just talked about this on Morally Corrupt today that when Erica on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills goes to therapy, she kind of like cosplays a normal person. Mm, And today, in in this week's episode, she was dressed exactly like Andy from The Devil Wears Prada at the end where she's like gone back down to basics. And that is like also how Jennifer Lopez was dressed at therapy. And that also made me, I was like, is she very famous? Because no one in here is like, oh my gosh, it's the artist. It's anonymous. It's, you're right. That's a great point, Juliet. It's anonymous. (laughs) You're not supposed to treat people differently, you know. Think about the famous people that go to AA in in, uh, LA. Did you, I watched some John Mulaney bit recently where he talked about going to AA and like Mm -hmm. the people there, I'm like, are they like, oh, John Mulaney's here? I hope not. Right. They very much avoided having her be like, 
hi, my name is Jennifer and I'm a love addict because she, it would have been strange for, like they always avoid saying Fleabag's name in Fleabag. Like it would have been yeah. very strange for her to be like, hi, I'm the artist. And I'm the artist. I'm a love addict. I am genuinely so excited for the documentary on February 27th. Like I, I honestly, give me more. It, it, we're in a great celebrity stretch right now. After, after the strikes, the floodgates have opened and it feels great. I, I'm just absolutely loving it. They had a lot of time to think, and this is what's coming out of it, you know? Incredible. From the body, mind, soul, and ballet flats of Jennifer Lopez. And it was crazy. It was crazy. I am curious what, like, a non-JLo fan would, just like a lay person, like, what would just my dad think watching this, or, or just like a person? I think if you saw just the love, just the heart factory piece of it, I think, like, a non-JLo fan who's, like, around our age would be like, oh, this looks like a music video that would have been on TRL. And that's because Dave Myers directed it, who's a music video director. But I think that um, non-JLo fans and enthusiasts would be, like, incredibly confused. But <laughs> but then you go to the, the Zodiacal Council, and you're like, wait, Jane Fonda's here? The Zodiacal Council brings something for everyone. Which so I that think kind of feels like a skit at, like, the MTV Movie Awards. It's yeah. all very peak MTV. Like, yeah. if MTV was still a huge deal, this would be just absolutely ruining our lives. We are here talking about it on the day that it premiered. Which you know we could what else we had to we had to be first on the scene. Honestly, we both admitted like, that we watched it. We watched it at five a.m. this morning. I feel like we're late. I'm gonna be honest. I'm not even joking. I'm like it's like been out for seventeen hours, and I'm like right. we're just getting to it now. Well, we gotta we can roll the tape. <laughs> Huge we mistake get this out there. <laughs> Jody, thank you so much for talking to me about this. It's been an absolute delight. Thank you to our producer Jade Whaley, and don't you worry, we'll be back to talk about the greatest love story never told on February 27th. Have a great weekend, everybody. 